Welcome to Orchard UMC's podcast. At Orchard, we endeavor to live into our mission of transforming the world by growing in faith, serving others, and sharing Jesus. Well, it's official. We've reached the end of the Skywalker saga, right? Um, That's the way they've built it for the last couple of years. Uh, It began with Anakin Skywalker in episodes one through three, which we know moves on to become Darth Vader. Uh, Continued with Luke and Leia in episodes four through six. And now we conclude with Rey in episodes seven through nine. Yes, the saga is over, or so say the movie executives, until five years from now they decide there's more money to make, and they announce episodes 10 through 12, right? Because we know that's going to happen. And I wish I could say I would be too jaded for it, and I wouldn't go see them, but let's be honest, I'm going to be the first one in line. I mean, after all, I'm wearing Jedi robes to church today, right? Come on. Uh, You know, I love Star Wars because it reminds me a lot of my childhood. It connects me um, with my father. My father is a, a big Star Wars fan. He, was the, he showed me Star Wars for the first time when I was, I think, six years old, and I absolutely loved it. And then when my son was old enough, I showed it to him, and he loved it, and he had no choice but to love it because his father loved it. So uh, we watched it together, and um, it's kind of molded me into the Star Wars fan I am today because it connects me with my father and my son. It's a way that we connect three generations. And as I was preparing this sermon, I I tried to be really intentional about thinking about what I wanted to preach about. I needed to take time to think about why Star Wars had been so important to me. Because, you know, the space battles are super cool, right? I love the space battles. I love the lightsaber fights. Um, But those aren't the things that I think of when I think of Star Wars. I think uh, back to A New Hope where Obi-Wan sacrifices his life so Luke could escape on the Millennium Falcon. I think back to Empire Strikes Back, where as Han is getting ready to be frozen in kryptonite, Leia shouts out to him, I love you, and he responds back, I know. I love that line. I think of Darth Vader seeing Luke in agony as he's being shocked by electricity by the Emperor, um, realizing that uh, Darth Vader realized that he would no longer allow his life to be ruled by hate, and instead he would be sacrificial in his love for Luke, and he saved Luke in that moment and was redeemed. Those are all powerful scenes to me because they say something about who we are and what we aspire to be, right? So as I sat down and watched Rise of the Skywalker for the fifth time, I've seen it five times, Oh. I really tried to hone in on what the movies were saying, or at least what they were saying in my mind. There's a lot of different angles we can go from. You know, the plot is that we have the evil emperor has returned. He's alive, and he's about to take over the universe again, right? It's up to our brave band of heroes to band together to stop the emperor again, right? It's not the most original plot in the world. It really isn't. Uh, And Kylo continues to try and persuade Rey to join him in the dark side. And at this movie, she learns a very terrible truth in that her father is none, or her grandfather is none other than the evil emperor. She is the granddaughter of Emperor Palpatine. So, anyways, uh, Rey states that they can no longer deny who they are, or Ren states that, because, after all, his grandfather was Darth Vader, right? 
and her grandfather is the emperor, there's no longer any need to deny who you are. It's time for them to embrace evil. And what follows is a quest for Rey to stop this emperor any way she can. There's a ton of different messages in the movie. We have the typical good versus evil, right? Um, There's the message of hope in here. We also have a message, one of the key messages of it is redemption, which is a core belief of Star Wars, that anyone can be redeemed. And it's a core belief of our Christian faith too, right? That anyone can be redeemed through God. But to me, as I watched it, one of the biggest things that I saw, uh, one of the biggest messages I saw is how we should go about our lives and choose to confront fear. Because uh, fear was just such a big part of this movie. For, for Ray, fear clouds her actions um, because she was fearful of who she was, right? She was fearful that she was related to the emperor, so that she was evil too. And at one point, Master Luke, when he's talking to her, he says to her, what are you so afraid of? And she responds, I'm afraid of myself. Fear clouds this galaxy, of course, who, um, if you recall in the last movie, there was this big battle on this planet, and the Resistance knew they were outnumbered, so they called out to the galaxy for help. They said, please come help us, and no one came. So the galaxy was scared. They were scared of the power uh, of the First Order. They were fearful of it. And because of that, because of that experience from the past, Poe lived in a state of fear. He thought they were all alone, and one of his... One of, um, his friends said to him that that's how the First Order wins. That's how the bad guys win. They make you feel like you're all alone and there's no one else out there with you. Fear clouds Kylo Ren as well, right? Because of what he had done to his father in, uh, in um, the first movie in Episode 7, we know that Kylo Ren kills Han Solo, who is his father. And because of that act, he fears that he can never return to his life as it was. There's no way back for him in his mind. And then Luke says one line in the movie. There's one line that Luke says that became my aha moment. That was the moment where I said, I know what I'm preaching on. He says, confronting fear is the destiny of the Jedi. It's your destiny. And as I watched this movie, I began thinking about what our faith says to us about confronting fear. Right? And I believe our faith says a lot to us about confronting fear. I thought back to the words from 1 John, and it says, There is no fear in love. Perfect love casts out fear. See, the epistle John, the 1 John, is full of Christian wisdom. Wesley, John Wesley himself, the founder of Methodism, had this to say about it. He said, How plain, how full, and how deep a compendium of genuine Christianity. Uh, John Wesley loved that book. Now, 1 John is a book without an author. It's not even a book, actually. It's more of a letter. Um, we don't know who the author is. Um, it was thought to have been written around 135 or so CE. And it was aggr- addressed to a growing and, of course, a fracturing church. Now, today we understand that Christianity in its early years was a faith that was under attack, uh, under threat of persecution, right? Right? The first 300 years of Christianity, our understanding is that the Romans were just uh, seeking to, to squash it any way they could. Um, and really, that's actually not entirely true. Now, of course, in the first 300 years of Christianity, there was persecution, but it only really amounts to about 10 years out of that 300 years that they faced some sort of persecution. 
it was significant, but it's different than our understanding. But because of that history and because of that understanding of persecution that they had, a lot of the early Christians lived in a constant state of fear. And this is the epistle of John saying to the church to cast aside their fear because to live in fear, it's to separate you from God. Now, if you live with the potential of persecution in your life, I'm sure it's going to be very difficult to find comfort in these words, right? Yet, to confront fear is at the very heart of our Christian faith. And I wonder, what would Jesus, what would the story of Jesus have been like had Jesus been paralyzed by fear, right? Would he have decided to heal the sick on the Sabbath, angering religious leaders? Would he have openly defied those faith leaders both through his words when he constantly questioned them? And would he um, have done all those physical acts that angered them as well? Would he have refused to weep at the death of his friend Lazarus, thinking that's not how he should be, right? He should be stoic and calm, right? On the night of his capture, would he have encouraged his disciples to take up arms and defend him to the very last? And when questioned by Pilate, when Pilate asked who he is, would he have denied who he was just to save his very own life? Yet we know this isn't the case. We know how the story turned out. Jesus confronted fear even though he knew the consequences, even though he knew the pain that it would put his mother through, the pain that it would put his disciples through, and the pain that it would put his body through. He did it anyway. Because to paraphrase Master Luke Skywalker, confronting fear is the destiny of the Christian, and it's our destiny. And to confront fear is to deny that it has any power over us. Because let's be honest, we're all afraid of things, right? There are things in life that we're fearful of. I'm 36 years old. I'm up here wearing a Jedi robe, and I am terrified of turning off the lights in my basement. Like, when I go downstairs to do the laundry, and I'm going upstairs, I turn off the lights, and I run as fast as I can. My heart's going nuts, all right? I'm not proud of it, but it's a fear I have. All right. And I know we all have our weird little fears, but, and, and I know it's kind of silly to joke about this fear, but we know there, the world is full of bigger fears than a dark basement, right? We must confront what we fear in this world or else we become paralyzed into inaction. John, John says, God is love. When we take up permanent residence in a life of love, we live in God and God lives in us. In other words, to abide in love is to abide in God. There is no room in love for fear. Well-formed love banishes fear. Well-formed love calls each and every one of us into action, just as it forced Ray to confront the emperor, and she did, just as it helped Poe realize that the galaxy would, would rise up to help them, and it did. It sounds simplistic to boil things down to love, conquering fear in this movie and in this world, but it is true. There was the sacrificial love in this movie of Leah, right? Leah had this love for her son. She knew there was good in him, and she gave her life to bring him back, to save him from this evil. There's even a scene where Kylo Ren dies, right? He essentially dies, and he's healed by Rey. It's a moment that he becomes resurrected again as Ben Solo. 
His fear no longer confines him, and it no longer defines who he is. Instead, he is now driven by love, right? He's driven by the love of his mother. He's driven by the love of his father. He's driven by the love of Ray. He's driven by the love of all those who surround him. What happens when we get paralyzed by fear? We separate ourselves from God, right? We begin thinking we're alone. That's what fear does. It makes us think that we are alone. We become a lost cause. We lose our sense of hope. We begin hating the others instead of trying to embrace and understand others. Paralyzing fear is a rampant thing in this world, and I wish I could say that paralyzing fear isn't taking hold of the United Methodist Church, but it definitely is. United Methodist Church is embroiled in fear right now, and it's this fear that's going to lead to the splitting of our church. Now, I'm members of United Methodist Methodist clergy pages, and I joined those pages because I wanted to go somewhere where I could be uplifted by fellow clergy members. But right now, those pages are not good places to be at because we have clergy calling each other names, progressive people insulting uh, traditional people, traditional people insulting progressive people. They vilify one another. They throw terrible words at each other. It's a heartbreaking place to be. You would think as clergy we would rise above this need to vilify, yet instead we're pointing fingers. Now, this isn't to say that it's wrong to disagree. Um, I have some fundamental fundamental arguments and disagreements with some of the theology going on, and and, uh, a lot of people do. It's okay to have disagreements. But there's a healthy way to have discourse, right, that can result in changed hearts and minds. Our current political climate is the same way, right? It's saturated by fear. It leads to us shouting, yelling, and name-calling one another. That's all we do in politics, right? Just as with the UM clergy pages, these arguments, this finger-pointing and fear, it, it results in an inability to change hearts and minds, and that's where we're at now. There's multitudes of examples of where we let fear paralyze us. And we allow it to take hold of our way of being and a hold of who we are. We become embroiled in a cloud of bitterness and cynicism, and it seeks to corrupt us from following a life of faith. But we're going to stop that. And you know why? (laughs) Because we are going to love, we are going to love and be loved. First, we were loved. Now we love. These aren't my words. These are the words of 1 John. See, Star Wars is certainly about fear, but it is also about how our love for one another can overcome that fear and provide redemption in ways that may seem impossible. Jesus loved us first by confronting fear. A thousand generations live in you now. This is your fight. These are the words of Luke Skywalker, not John. But it's very similar. Generations of Christianity lives in us now. This is our fight. We can no longer let fear rule over us and control how we respond to people or situations in our lives. The command we have from Christ is blunt. Loving God includes loving people. You've got to love both. It isn't one or the other. We have got to love both. And if we can't love our visible neighbor, how can we love an invisible God, right? We can't claim the love of God in one breath and in the next breath insult our neighbor, no matter how much we disagree with them or dislike them, right? 
That is letting fear take charge and rule our lives. So think about this the next time you let your fear take hold. Think and pray about this the next time you think unkind thoughts towards another person you may disagree with. Think and pray about this the next time you think yourself unworthy of love and feel alone. Don't let fear rule your life because perfect love, the love of God, it casts out that fear. And in that love, God dwells in each and every one of us. May the force be with you. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We hope you have been enriched by the word proclaimed. We'd love to hear from you. Drop us a line at ministry at orchardumc.org. You can find out more about Orchard by going to our website at www.orchardumc.org.